So Jerubal, that is Gideon, and his army got up early and went as far as the spring of Herod. The armies of Midian were camped north of them in the valley near the hill of, of Moreh. The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. So 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. But the Lord told Gideon, there are still too many. Bring them down to the spring, and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, Divide the men into two groups. In one group, put all those who cup water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. In the other group, put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. Only 300 of the men drank from their hands. All the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. The Lord told Gideon, With these three hundred men I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. The word of God for the people of God. So a couple years ago, the the Thames Valley Police in the south of England got a new recruit. Their new recruit was a great big horse. There was a farmer in the area who had this great big horse, and he wanted to sell the horse, and he looked at the horse, and he thought it, it looked like it would make a good police horse. And so he took it down to the Thames Valley Police Department, and he said, I've, I've got a horse that I think would make a good police horse. And so they came out of the police station and they took a look at the horse. And the Thames Valley police were very much impressed with what they saw. It looked like it would make a a good police horse. This was a great, big, towering, powerful horse. This horse was was 17 and a half hands tall. What that means is that this this horse was was five and a half feet tall at the shoulder, right? I mean, I'd be looking up at the horse. This horse weighed more than 2,000 pounds. This horse was a, a solid ton of animal. He was a great big, towering, powerful horse. He certainly looked like he would make a good police horse. And as far as the Thames Valley police were concerned, there was just one problem. There was just one thing wrong with this horse, and that was the horse's name. The name of this great, big, towering, powerful, one-ton horse was, was Brian. The farmer had named him Brian, Brian the Horse. And the police didn't think that Brian sounded like a very good name for a, a great, big, Big, towering, powerful police horse. They decided if he was going to be a police horse, then, then he was going to need a new name. And then somebody at the police station had a brilliant idea. Somebody at the police station said, hey, what if, what if we asked the public to give the horse a, a new name? We could have a little bit of fun. We could engage with the community. Let's ask people what they think we should name this, this brand new police horse. And so they took a picture of Brian the horse and they posted it on their, their social media account. And they asked people, they said, we'd like you to, to meet the newest recruit at the Thames Valley Police Department. This, this is Brian the horse, and we think that Brian is sort of a wimpy name for such a great, big, powerful animal. We wonder if anybody can think of a better name for this animal than than Brian. Well, I wonder if you can guess what happened next. 
Somebody named Brian saw the, saw the post on social media, and then he shared it with everybody he knew who was named Brian, and then they shared it with everybody they knew who was named Brian, and it didn't take long before the Thames Valley police were inundated with messages from people all around the world, and all of those people just happened to be named Brian. They got thousands and thousands of messages from, from the Brians of the world. It turns out the Brians of the world like, like the name Brian, and it turns out that the Brians of the world also have a sense of humor. So, so they got a message from one Brian who said, I think Brian is a, a perfectly good name for a horse. As a matter of fact, I think all horses should be named Brian. <laughs> they got a message from another Brian. He said, I believe that Brians have contributed a, a lot to the world. He said, not me personally. I've never done anything. But my friend's grandfather is also named Brian, and he must have done something important at some point in, in his life. They got so many messages from so many Brians that eventually the Thames Valley police were, were forced to issue a, an official statement. And in their official statement, this is what they said. We said they said, we're, we're sorry if we offended anybody. We didn't mean to, to put down the name of Brian. They said, it's just, it's just that we feel like a, a police horse needs to have a, a macho and intimidating sort of a name. They said, imagine if you're riding into a, a, a crowd of football hooligans and you're shouting, go on, Brian, get him, Brian. They said people wouldn't be afraid. They would just laugh at us. And so, and so that's why we give all of our police horses warlike names. That's why we give them, that's why we give them strong godlike names, names like, like Odin and Hercules and Thor. It's not, it's not that there's anything wrong with the name of Brian. We just feel like, like we want something that's just a little bit more mighty. Well, of course, that didn't settle the Bryans down. If anything, they redoubled their efforts. The Bryans kept on sending in messages, and now they were reminding the Thames Valley police of all of the mighty Bryans who have existed throughout history. They said, what about Brian Baru, the, the high king of Ireland who led the Irish into battle against the Vikings in 1014? Are you saying that, that he wasn't mighty? And, and what about Brian May, the, the legendary guitar player for the rock and roll band Queen? What could be mightier than a, a rock and roll guitar hero? They sent in message after message after message until finally the Thames Valley police were forced to give up. They were forced to release one more official statement. And essentially in their, their last official statement on the matter, this is what they said. They said, fine. We're sorry. You were right. We were wrong. Brian is a perfectly mighty name. Brian's can be mighty too. Brian the horse can keep his name. Now please, all of you Brian's out there, please just leave us alone. And and so, so here's the moral of the story. If you ever find yourself in the middle of a football riot in the south of England and you hear somebody shouting, Charge Brian! On Brian! Don't giggle. Don't laugh. That means that there is a towering, powerful 2,000-pound animal bearing down upon you. Just remember in that moment that Brian is a mighty name too. Remember that Brian's can be mighty too. In this story that we've been following from the book of Judges, God has spent two weeks now trying to convince Gideon that Gideon is a mighty name. God has spent two weeks trying to convince Gideon that Gideon's can be mighty too. 
Here's what we've heard in the story so far. We've learned that Gideon lived at a moment of of darkness and desperation. Gideon lived in a time when God's people, the Israelites, were constantly under attack from their enemies, the Midianites. Every year at the harvest time, the Israelites would bring their harvest in from the field. And then every year at harvest time, a great and terrible Midianite army would sweep across the land and overwhelm the Israelites. The Midianites would, would steal every bit of food they could get their hands on and then they would leave the Israelites to starve. This went on year after year after year until finally one day God said, enough. One day God said, I am going to raise up a hero who will lead my people into battle and free them from the Midianites forever. And so one day God spoke to this this man, this farmer named Gideon. And God said to Gideon, Gideon, I am with you and you are mighty. Go in your might and lead your people into victory over their enemies. And Gideon, Gideon heard those words from God and Gideon wanted to believe those words. Gideon wanted to believe that he was mighty. He wanted to believe that they could triumph over the Midianites. But in his heart, Gideon had doubt. Gideon said to God, Lord... I think you've got the wrong guy. I'm not, I'm not mighty. I'm not a soldier. I'm not a warrior. I'm just a humble farmer. I'm just the least important father in the least important family in the least important tribe in all the land. He said, nobody's going to follow me into battle. Nobody will ever charge into battle shouting the name of Gideon. God, I think you ought to go and pick somebody else. But God refused to give up on Gideon. God gave Gideon sign after sign after sign until finally Gideon started to believe that maybe they could pull this thing off. And so Gideon called together an army. He sent out messengers throughout all the land and called the Israelites to come and gather and stand against the Midianites. And the Israelites came, 32,000 Israelite men answered the call. And now as we pick up the story in today's scripture reading, we find Gideon on the eve of battle looking out over this great encampment, looking out over those 32,000 men. And Gideon, as he looks over those 32,000 men, still he feels doubt. Still he feels fear in his heart because Gideon knows, Gideon knows that just over the hill, just camped out in a valley over there, the Midianites have an even larger army. The Midianites have got an army of 135,000 well-armed, well-trained, battle-seasoned soldiers. And Gideon is not sure they can do this. And God sees Gideon looking out over that army, and God sees the doubt in Gideon's heart. And so God asks Gideon a question. God says, Gideon, do you believe that you can lead this army into victory? And Gideon says, well, Lord, honestly, I have my concerns. You know, God, we're we're outnumbered four to one at this point. But I figure, I figure that with the right strategy, and if we fight to the very last man, maybe, maybe we'll be able to pull this thing off. And then God, God says to Gideon, Gideon, I also have my concerns. I'm concerned that our army may be too large. I'm concerned that if you lead this army to victory over the Midianites, then people will say that you won the victory because of your brilliant strategy or because of your your fighting spirit. God says to Gideon, Gideon, I want you to send some of these men home. Here's what I want you to do. Go through the camp and find every man who shows any sign of fear. Find every man with with trembling, shaking knees and send send those men home. And so Gideon goes through the camp and he looks for the men who are are afraid. He looks for the men with the the shaking, nervous knees and he sends them home. He sends 22,000 of his soldiers home. And now Gideon looks out over his very much reduced army. And again, again, God says, says to Gideon, Gideon, do you believe 
that you can lead this army to victory over the Midianites. And Gideon says, well, honestly, Lord, I have my concerns. Now we're outnumbered more than 14 to 1, Lord. But I figure, I figure if we attack at just the right moment and if luck is on our side, maybe then we will be able to prevail over the Midianites. And God says to Gideon, Gideon, I also have my concerns. I'm concerned that our army may still be too large. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your army down to the river and I want you to have every man take a drink from the river and I want you to watch how they drink. God says, every man who cups the water from the river and pulls it up to his face, you can keep. Every man who gets down on all fours and just sticks his face in the river, I want you to send home. And so Gideon takes his army down to the river. He has every man in the army take a drink and then Gideon keeps the 300 men who brought up the water to their faces with their hands. And once again, Gideon looks out over his army, his 300-man army. And God says to Gideon again, Gideon, do you believe that you can lead this army into victory over the Midianites? And Gideon says, honestly, Lord, at this point it would take a miracle. And God says, now you're starting to understand. Now you're beginning to get what I'm up to. Gideon, now that your army is the right size, I want you to listen very closely because I have some very specific instructions for you. Here's what I want you to do. And God gives Gideon his battle plans, his battle instructions. And then that night, in the middle of the night, in the darkest part of the night, Gideon gathers his 300-man army together. Gideon gives each man in his army, every one of those 300 men, he gives a torch. Now the torches are lit, but they've been covered. They've been sealed in a sort of a ceramic jar so they're not getting off any light. And then he gives each of his men a horn, a shofar, a ram's horn. And every man goes off into the night with a, with a torch in one hand and a horn in the other. All 300 men walk through the darkness with a torch in one hand and a horn in the other. They creep towards the Midianite camp. When they arrive at the Midianite camp, they spread out. They surround the valley. They surround this mighty 135-person Midianite army. And then at a signal from Gideon, at just the right moment, all 300 men smash those ceramic jars, 300 torches suddenly blaze out into the night all around the Midianite camp. And then together, all 300 of those men blow a blast on their horns. Shofars echo throughout the valley. The Midianites are roused from their slumber. They stagger out of their tents, confused. And then they hear 300 men surrounding them, shouting and echoing throughout all of the valley, for the Lord and for Gideon, for the Lord and for Gideon. The Midianites assume that they're under attack. And so in the darkness, they start lashing out with their fists and their elbows and their knees. And they discover that every time they lash out with a fist, there's a man. They feel like they're overwhelmed no matter how many men they strike down. More and more men come. And finally, there in the darkness, the Midianites assume that they are surrounded and outnumbered by a vastly superior Israelite army. There in the darkness, fear takes hold in the Midianites' hearts. And they begin to flee. They run. They run away from the valley. They run away from the land of the Israelites and they vow never to return to the land of the Israelites again. Not so long as that mighty warrior Gideon is leading that large and mighty Israelite army. I love this story. It's a fun, it's a fun story. I love that the Israelites triumph over their enemies without ever having to draw a sword. 
I love that the Israelites win the victory over their enemies without ever having to shed a drop of Midianite blood. I love the fun of this story. I love the twist of this story. But most of all, most of all, I love the message that's hidden at the heart of this story. Have you worked out the message of this story yet? It's not too hard to figure out. The message of the story of Gideon is very simply this. In the end, God's people will win the victory. In the end, good will triumph over evil. In the end, light will win out over darkness darkness. In the end, the brokenness of this world will be healed. Victory is inevitable. But when that day comes, we will discover that the victory did not come by the strength of our hands. It came by the strength of our faith. In that day, we will discover that victory did not come by the the greatness of our churches or the greatness of our armies. In that day, we will discover that victory, victory comes by the greatness of our God. I needed to hear that message this week. I don't know about you, but there were moments this week when I was feeling very small and overwhelmed. Even as I was celebrating this this holiday with my family, there were moments when I was feeling small and overwhelmed. As I was sitting in a room full of people who were trying very hard not to talk about politics or college basketball or any of the things that any of us actually cared about, as I was sitting in that room feeling very much aware of the fact that we live in a divided and angry world, I got a message from one of my dear friends from college. And this dear friend from college who has already served survived breast cancer once told us that she's just discovered that her cancer has returned. And in that moment, I felt very small and very overwhelmed. And then we came back to Flint and we celebrated Thanksgiving with my family here in Flint. And I woke up the next morning to discover that there had been a shooting and a car crash in downtown Flint that left one person dead. And then I checked the news and discovered that another black man had been shot, even though he'd done absolutely nothing wrong. Another black man killed because people assumed he was up to no good. There were moments this week when I felt so aware of what we are up against. There were moments this week when I felt so overwhelmed by the darkness and the brokenness of this world, and I needed the message of the story of Gideon this week. I needed to hear that our job is not to win this battle by the might of our hands. Our job is simply to walk through the darkness with a torch in one hand and a horn in the other. God has called us to walk through the darkness with faith in our hearts, to be guided by God. And if we do that, if we shine a light with one hand and make a great big beautiful noise, with our horns, then then God will drive back the darkness before us. If we have a torch in one hand and a horn in the other, then we are mighty. The Sandys of this world are mighty enough to drive back the darkness. The Naomi's and JL's of this world are mighty enough to drive back the darkness. The the Danes and the Carries and the Shannons and the Jims and the Bettys and the, the Bills and the Lens and the Sharons of this world, all of us together are strong enough, mighty enough to drive back the darkness and bring wholeness to this world. We, Court Street United Methodist Church, we, we are mighty and God, God is with us. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for the hope that you give us in in our moments of darkness. When we're feeling small and overwhelmed, God, we give you thanks for the, the music that gives peace to our hearts. We give you thanks for the trumpets that give us courage. We give you thanks for the torches that shed light. God, we give you thanks for these people who walk through the darkness with us. God, we long for that day when all the world will be made well. We pray that you would give us faith to keep on walking through the darkness until that day comes. In Jesus we pray. Amen.